Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bah Humbug, the Christmas movies podcast that is always finding old objects in the attic that launch us on an emotional and personal odyssey, culminating in a sentimental reunion, usually on Christmas Day. I'm Helen O'Hara and I will be your host today as we talk about one of Netflix's many holiday offerings this year, The Noel Diary. Now, if it passed you by, that's because Netflix seems to have almost entirely stopped promoting any of their own content. (laughs) Um, But this is an adaptation of the book by Richard Paul Evans and it stars Justin Hartley as Jacob Turner, who is a successful author. Um, And his life is sent down a new path when his mother dies and he goes to empty her house of, of all her belongings and meets a a young woman called Rachel, played by Barrett Doss, who has turned up uh, in search of something else, a connection to her own past. Um, So the two of them start working together to to come to terms, basically, with with some stuff that's gone on in the past. Uh, It also stars Bonnie Bedelia, uh, yes, of Die Hard fame, and yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie, (laughs) and James Remar, um, and is directed by Charles Shire, who uh, previously directed the likes of Private Benjamin, uh, the Alfie remake, the Father of the Bride remake, and the Parent Trap Oh, remake actually, but but all good remakes, not the bad sort. So um, so don't hold that against him. And I am delighted to be joined by two of my favourite people here today to talk about this. Uh, first up, we have Amon Warman, who is a contributing editor of Empire Magazine and film journalist. He and I have worked together a couple of times before. How are you doing, Amon? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a busy day. This is the highlight. I'm excited to talk about this film with both of you. I'm not even going to tease your introduction. I'm going to leave that to Helen. Um, but, <laughs> but, but yes, it's good to be here. <laughs> it is. And uh, yes, we are also joined by a very good friend of ours in real life. Spoiler, this real life friend group here. Um, but Amanda Keats was also my editor on my book, Women vs. Hollywood, The Fall and Rise of Women in Hollywood. By the way, makes a fantastic Christmas present uh, for anyone who, who you haven't bought for yet. Now available um, in paperback. Uh, um, <laughs> available in paperback. Uh, uh, and Amanda, so Amanda is a, a fantastic book editor um, and is also uh, a bit of a film journalist as well, and uh, which is how we all met at screenings. So she and I have been talking about this film since we saw the first trailer, right? I mean... There were some WhatsApps, yeah. There were some WhatsApp messages, yeah. It was the most bizarre trailer I think I have seen. And there are some weird trailers for Christmas films. You know, you kind of think you know what you're getting. Um, And literally the very first comment under this trailer when I watched it was, are they siblings? (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was right, like, so let's yeah, let's unpack this a little bit. That, so let's unpack this a little bit. So we, we are going to get into a little bit of spoilers for this film because we want to talk about it in full. <laughs> mm. um, but I think if you don't want spoilers, you want to go away and watch it and come back. What I will say is this, the poster and the trailer don't, I think, do this film any justice whatsoever. I don't know if you guys are with me on this, but I think no, they they're don't like do this film advertising any advertising a different film. It's bizarre. Yes, and, and because they're advertising a different film, they give us a very different, <laughs> a weird impression of what this film actually is, right? Yeah, it was, basically the vibe was, Guy is depressed because his mom's just died and he's looking after some stuff. Mysterious woman arrives, but the woman needs to know something about her real biological parents, so... The romance sort of ensues and the guy takes her to meet his dad who he hasn't spoken to in 35 years. And the way the trailer was cut made it look very much like the dad might also be her dad. And I was like, this is not a Greek tragedy that we want to be watching at Christmas. This this is not the vibe for the Netflix Christmas films that we were hoping for. But it very, very much came across like that. And it was worrying, to say the least. <laughs> this is absolutely fascinating to me. I have not watched the trailer. I have not seen a poster. So this oh, it's is a treat. completely I want to go back and watch and see both of these things to see or to, to just witness what you just described because it sounds incredible. And it just, you know, it goes to show you how important trailer editors are. <laughs> Definitely. I think that was literally the first thing I said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, Cameron Diaz in the holiday really earned her pay <laughs> being a good trailer editor, I tell you. I think that was the first thing I said, wasn't it? When you sort of said, oh, I've, I've now watched that film. And I was like, are they siblings? Are they siblings? Tell me, are they siblings? <laughs> but but even, even the, let me, let me show you the poster. Oh, this is really not working. I'm trying to show you the poster here. Even the poster, I don't think does it justice. I, no. I, I'm, mm. I'm just going to go ahead and say my opinion, which is that I think this is a lot better than I expected. I went in with with floor level or possibly like, <laughs> you know, underground level expectations. And and I was pleasantly surprised. How about you? Let's start with just overall, what did you think of this? Uh, Amon, what did you think? I had a really good time with it for the most part. Um, it's very charming. It's very, very sweet. It is those things because of the casting. The ca It's cast very well. The chemistry is where this film lives or dies, and the chemistry is very much there. Uh, so yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, the ending, I think, leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, and there's a couple of other things that we will get into that I think it could have done slightly better. But on the whole, I had a, I had a good time with this one. All right. And Amanda, how about you? Yeah, I was quite pleasantly surprised. It is a legitimately good romantic drama there's some actual plot, some really good performances. And yeah, the two leads are great, but also all the little characters who show up for about five minutes, also brilliant. Um, as as you said, Amon, there's a, there's a couple of issues with it, but, you know, generally it could be an actual release, I would think, not just on streaming. Yeah, I think that's one of the, mm. that's one of the things, you know, putting a lot of, um, you know, Christmas movies on, and, and Amanda, I know that you watch a lot of these too. I think, mm -hmm. Amon, you're, you have a slightly more rarefied taste in Christmas <laughs> movies. But, um, but you know, li the little details are right. So, you know, when someone is meant to be a super successful, super famous author, he has a nice house mm -hmm. and it has nice stuff in it. It doesn't look like the set decorator had a budget of 50p and had to make do. <laughs> You know, when there are Christmas decorations, they look good and not, again, like the set decorator had 50p and had to make mm. do. And I think that, you know, that just 
basic level of quality. And and again, like you both said, I think actors who know what they're doing, um, supporting cast who come in and add something and don't just sort of slow everything down to a halt because God bless them, they're good, but they've never made a film before. You know, so I feel like there's 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 real kind of quality going on here. If the set director for The Noel Diary happens to be listening on this podcast and this episode, I want you to really give yourself a pat on the back because to get that compliment from Helen O'Hara, <laughs> whose Christmas trees are incredible, is a big deal. So you need to give yourself a pat on the back right now because it's a big deal. Just want to say that. It's, it's just become genuinely a barometer for me of all these Christmas movies. <laughs> like you can you can spot the ones that, that put in just a modicum of care and attention yeah. because they have given their set decorators enough money to do a decent job. And no disrespect to the set decorators on the other films because I never believe it's your fault. It's always <laughs> yeah, they somebody further best. up the line <laughs> who has just, who has starved you of resources. But... But yeah, that you know, you can you can tell when a film has been made with love and care and attention, and this mm. this does feel like that. Mm. You mentioned uh, the Justin Hartley character and him being rich. I love how they play with that over the course of the film. Uh, she doesn't initially know that he is loaded, and the humor that they mine from that, even when it's not in your face funny, I think is really, really great. Because we're getting it and he's getting it, but she's not necessarily getting it and doesn't realise it until later on. I think they played that very well. That's a lovely scene. So basically they 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 go on a road trip um, mm-hmm. in search of sort of answers from from his father, Scott, who's James Remar's character. And and Rachel, yeah, she, you know, when they when they stop in a diner for for dinner, Rachel's like, look, I'm we're we're splitting this. I'm not having you pay for me. I have too many friends who are writers. I know how poor they all are. We know how <laughs> poor they are all, all are, you know. So um so I thought that was, it was, it's a really lovely moment for her as well. It's a really lovely character moment. It shows mm-hmm. that she's a responsible, considerate person. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, it, it has a, a, some layers to it. I think it's really efficient storytelling. I think that's also just one of the things that makes this film work so well. There's so many little touches like that throughout that just make all the characters feel lived in. They don't feel like they're reading a script. You feel like there's nuance and there's little levels to each of the characters. And they just feel like real people that you could just meet down the pub. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not down the pub. I don't know. Maybe Justin Hartley's in the pub right now. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I think you're totally right. Would, would, would both of you guys have split the bill like they do? Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, if, if you're traveling with somebody that you don't know well and, you know, again, you know, you, you don't know their financial status, you you at the very least you suggest it. You know, if somebody's like, no, 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 fine, I'll, I can do it. Great. But yeah, Helen's a struggling writer and I'm an editor. We don't have much money. <laughs> we know. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, let's talk about uh, Jake's character for a minute. So, now, I, I know Justin Hartley exists. I know he's a person in the world. But I have not seen what I believe to be his signature role, which I know both of you mm-hmm. have watched, which is in This Is Us. Can you tell me a little bit about him there? Oh, Helen. I can absolutely like, look, I'm go- tell you. Look, okay, I'm, I'll get It's a lot of TV. <laughs> You haven't even watched Battlestar Galactica, Mon, so oh, you're just going to have mean, to wait in line, This okay? is us Battlestar Galactica in terms of priorities. Am I all right? No. I just, <laughs> don't <I'd be> more... <laughs> I will get to it. I promise you. Fair McCurry, I'm coming for your score. But anyway, this is us uh, to set up a little bit for people who somehow don't know or haven't watched it. Um, it focuses basically on three siblings, Kevin, Kate, and Randall, as they go through their own struggles in the wake of a tragedy that they all suffer um, and they try and sort of become the best versions of themselves. And I think 
part of the reason why the show is so good is that it gives them the time and the space to develop, to make wrong decisions and to really strive to be better people. It's one of those shows that makes me want to become a better person by watching it. Um, and Justin Hartley, who plays Kevin, uh, went through a really, of, of all the characters, he might have gone through the biggest development over the sixth season run of the show. And he acts it superbly well. Like I, I, I knew Justin Hartley before watching This Is Us because he was also on Smallville. Uh, he played yeah, yeah. Uh, Green Arrow on that show. And he was fun, but I, I didn't really appreciate the depths that he could go to as an actor until This Is Us. And it's interesting watching this film. I'm not sure, uh, Amanda, you've watched This Is Us as well. Maybe you could speak to this. There were definitely some similarities in the storytelling between this film and the show, because just like in the in the show, he has had to deal with a big loss, a big sudden unexpected loss, and that has changed him in some ways, not for the better. And he's had to go has he has to go on a journey to better himself, to reconcile with his father, all the rest of it. And there are definitely some similarities with that journey and the journey that he goes on over the course of six seasons in This Is Us, which I found very interesting. But he is, as an actor, is really, really good here. Again, very charming, great chemistry with Barrett Ross. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I enjoyed him. I enjoyed watching him in this film. Yeah, he does quiet trauma very, very well. Yes. That whole, like, just facial expressions, just slightly hinting at how much, you know, why he's put his walls up and there's some stuff going on there, but it doesn't need to be, like, really over the top he just does it brilliantly he does it and this is us and he does it really really well here where you can see there's obviously like a recent trauma that's happened the death of his mother and he's mm -hmm. sort of not really dealing with that straight away but there's obviously been literal decades of resentment and thinking certain things about family members that we shall uh maybe not go into yeah indeed but he does it beautifully yeah it's 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 a really good performance and i think you know i think maybe one of the problems with the trailer and the poster is that he looks like all of the other cheap movie <laughs> leads. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's just like, he's a very beautiful man. And so he looks like all the very beautiful men who lead all of those movies where it's two white people dressed in red and green in front of a Christmas tree, you know, the interchangeable Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. And so on the poster, he just looks like that. But the difference is that he is an actual really good actor and and who who can do as you say all of these layers and and he really does give it you know you can see him turning it on for his fans when he's doing book <laughs> mm -hmm. signing at the beginning just casually you can see him in some more French. unguarded moments <laughs> yeah you can see him almost kind of you know reverting to something a little bit more vulnerable a little bit more childlike when he he meets his old neighbor Ellie who's played by Bonnie Bedelia mm -hmm. you know so there there's you know there's layers there and there's tones that he plays with and that he has to play with that maybe some of those other Super, super handsome white dudes don't. I love that they actually just bring it up as well. Like when she sort of confronts him and says, okay, what is a handsome guy like you? And he's like, you think I'm handsome? Just don't deflect. <laughs> but just, yeah. it's a like throwaway line and it's so mm. beautifully done because it's just like, you know you are, carry on, come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like it's objectively true that you're it's, handsome. It's just like, we're not even carry on. <laughs> it's not well. Like moving yeah. on. Um, speaking of moving on, uh, we have not actually talked about the most important relationship uh, in this film because it's not between Jake and Rachel. It's between Jake and Ava. Because that... Who's a good girl? <laughs> is a good girl! <laughs> yeah. 
That was it. It's a good. It's a good dog performance, right? It really I mean, is. <laughs> very cute dog. I think that was one of the first things I WhatsApped you when I started watching it, wasn't it? When I was like, he just said his girl Ava. It's going to be a dog, isn't it? It's going to be a dog. <laughs> and it was a dog. It was a dog. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Ava, Ava's, Ava's magnificent. But Rachel is also important, Amon. Mm. I mean, she does have a role to play. She is essentially the the initiator of the of the whole story. All he's trying to do is clear his mum's house. And and he he you know, is then visited by this girl looking for her her ancestry, looking for her mother who once worked as his baby minder. And and he has this diary that may hold the clues. And it's one of these, it's one of these odd little films where, you know, there isn't a big sort of, you know, there isn't a big secret that he keeps from her. He's not hiding the diary from her. He's not withholding it. It just doesn't initially occur to him that this could be the the sort of the vital thing that she's looking for. They 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 sort of it's unconnected. The the diary of the title is unconnected to their quest to find more about her past. They're already off on the road to visit his dad when she finds the diary. So I thought that was really interesting. It wasn't like it sort of he picks up this book as oh my god, I never knew that my nanny was once pregnant, and I wonder what happened to the baby. And it doesn't start with this kind of contrived notion. It feels a little bit more organic than that. And I love that. I think the film was all the better for that. I was as surprised as I'm guessing you were in that mm. the MacGuffin, if, if you will, of the film is introduced quite late on in the film. I think it's like, you know, a good 40 minutes or so before the diary becomes... Yeah, there's a shot of him finding it and just chucking it in his bag before, but yeah. really it's not, like it's not given any attention. Yeah. But yeah. the focus is exactly where it needs to be, which is on the backbone of the film, which is the relationship between Jake and Rachel. Did that catch either of you off guard? It, it initially, a little bit, a little bit. Because... I found it really sort of discombobulating. I think I went into it, as you say, with a mindset of what this film was. And at that mm. moment where she finds, you're like, oh, she's going to kick off. She's going to be really offended. She's going to be like, why mm. did you keep this? And then he just goes. Or or, or he's going to be like, why were you in my bag? How dare yeah. you? Mm-hmm. Like I was like, expecting drama. And then he just sort yeah. of went, oh, yeah, found that. Don't know what it is. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay. She's not offended. He's not hiding it. This is new. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't entirely contrived around, no. you know, massively over over exploded situations. And mm. again, like, you know, I look, I love a trashy rom-com, <laughs> but equally all of that kind of overreaction can get very wearisome. And mm. it's nice to find a film that doesn't rely on that for its drama, that kind of trusts us to be grown-ups and and still find drama in in the little things, you know, even when they get to his dad's house and he hesitates to go in, she's kind of encouraging him and he's not, you know, he's 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 not quite sure if he wants to or not. It's not a big drama and he doesn't like shout at her and storm off in a half. You know, he finally accepts that, oh, well, what she's saying is right. And yes, she's making good points. And OK, I'm going to screw my courage to the sticking place and do it. But it's still dramatic because, of course, he's hesitant. And of course, it's a difficult thing to do. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song and Kobe from Flixwatcher and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Given the organic 
nature of the vast majority of this film. How did you guys feel about the finale? Because in one respect, <laughs> in one respect, I was just laughing to myself because Amanda, as you know, in This Is Us, the Pearson family are fans of a big romantic gesture. Mm-hmm. And the fun finale of this had a big romantic gesture. At the same time, given how natural and organic and without melodrama the rest of the film was, it felt like they were just going a con- more conventional route that they need- needed to in those final few minutes. What did you think? Oh, I really had some issues with the absolute final shot. Mm. As you say, it's a very, like, one type of film for most of the film. And then the very last shot is like a freeze frame, cheesy smut, like literally the snow freezes. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> who thought this was an excellent way to end this film? It's completely not the film we've just watched. I don't mm-hmm. understand. So yeah, that was an odd choice and kind of ruined the vibe a little bit but I mean you know do, do you think I mean I'm I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit because I, I basically agree with you both I, th- I thought that that screeched everything to a halt and sent it in a <laughs> weird direction for a while there but um but I guess there's something to be said for the basic fact that she hesitates to leave her fiance for this guy she's only known for two days like that's not crazy that's quite yeah that's you know, valid. That, that bit makes a certain <laughs> amount of sense that she would, when he makes a big declaration, that she would, she would sort of look him in the eye and go, "No, I don't love you," just to kind of because she's not sure yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I do like the message that love is not just about finding a person who you balance out well with, like Rachel has with her fiance, but the uncertainty of it and leaning into that. Even I, 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 lo- I love that message. And I like yeah. how the final minutes of that articulate that in, in a very powerful way. So, so that definitely comes through. I just wish they would have taken a different route to get to where they to end get up. There. Yeah. yeah. How much can we spoil this? Oh, we can. We, I mean, we've absolutely, we're absolutely. Because we <laughs> okay. yeah. I, w- I will say one of the things that I think is probably my favorite is that it doesn't go where you think it will regarding the mother. You saw, That's true. I mean, I was messaging sort of halfway through this going, oh God, I hope the mother's okay. Because I I was so invested in her meeting the mother. And the way they take it at the end, again, as we've said, has some issues. But generally the way they take that part of the story, I kind of loved because it, it became more about her own, like you say, it's not about the other person. It's about what you're thinking and what you've carried with you. And, you know, both of them have this like inbuilt childhood trauma that they have to deal with and it's not about it magically going away or everything suddenly being all rosy and you know oh I've got a hug and everything's suddenly fine now it's just about letting go of everything that they've been kind of you know weighed down by for decades and it's sort of inconsequential what happens next yeah and and I think it is it does tread a fine line there because it gives um it gives her that closure that emotional closure that she needs but the film doesn't close the door on a relationship with her mother either, you know. So, and, and her mother isn't a terrible person and her mother isn't, you know, actively hostile. It's not one of those incredibly traumatic films where somebody goes looking for someone from their past and is is horribly rejected and crushed or anything like that. So um, it, it's, it's there's a there's an open door there for people who want that reconciliation to happen, who want those characters to meet and to have a relationship. But the film doesn't belabor it because that isn't the film... That isn't what the film has focused on this whole time, as you say. You know, it's 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 keeping its own course and it's keeping to its own story in a way that some films aren't disciplined enough to do. And I think there's there's an element of 
you know, focus and a care and attention here that I appreciate. Again, I watch a lot of these <laughs> that are done so badly. I love how surprised um, we both were. Yeah. <laughs> no. Just the main takeaway was, wow, this is this this is legitimately good. Mm. I didn't see that coming. Is, I mean, <laughs> because really that the really the trailer did not promise this. The trailer absolutely <laughs> did not sell this movie. I feel like we should do a live reaction of a month's what like first viewing of this trailer. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I might just do it. I can't wait to watch it. Honestly, here's here's something. It's it's, it's a very minor niggle in the larger scheme of things, but I was really happy with how they subverted expectation in a really cool, funny way that really worked for me. Which is when they go to a hotel and they get two rooms, but they are adjoining rooms. And then she's reading the book and he sees her reading the book. That was great. Then a few minutes later, they go to another hotel. It's like, okay, no, it's just one room. And I get what it did for the story. You know, 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 he gave them the person special, if you know what I mean. But, uh, (laughs) but. Wow. (laughs) I, I liked what they did, subverting the expectation the first time that it felt weird to them now lean into it just a few minutes yeah, later. Yeah, and they played with it the first time as well because you went, if this yeah. was a rom-com, <laughs> Right, and then they do it. Oh, it was clever and kind of a bit meta. And then it was just, yeah. oh, no, yeah, there's only one room there. Yeah. yeah, it would have been better if there had been two rooms the second time and they'd just taken one room, actually, you know. Or even have two rooms and then one of them goes to the other room and then do it that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. I think the um, some of the some of the road trip stuff I thought was a little bit um, getting back to that rom com cliche. You know, going to idyllic small towns with choirs singing and and films playing and beautiful mm-hmm. lights in the streets around the tiny shops. You know, nobody in these films ever goes to a Target or Walmart. <laughs> you know, it's all these beautiful little um, small town shops, which of course you know shop local, support local business, all that kind of thing. Very important. But at the same time, you know, sometimes if you're on a road trip, you just go to Target first, you pack up on cereal bars and then just get going. Could you see yourself, you know, walking by, seeing sort of an outdoor film playing and then sitting down in the freezing cold for two hours to finish watching it? Because okay. I'm glad this bothered you as well. It crazy. <laughs> I've just spent most of the film going, are they not cold? No, what's that? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I, okay, I will give, I, I absolutely had the same thought. I mm. will say, <laughs> I appreciate that everyone else had gone home, yeah. even though it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful film and it's a wonderful life. But mm. uh, everyone else did give up. And, and the idea that they are so engrossed in their conversation and so engrossed in each other that they're mm. the ones who stayed, like that kind of worked for me. Mm. I think everybody else pretty much, ran, or at least swapped in and out. Maybe I'm misremembering, but that was my impression. Yeah, no, so everyone... I thought that, that bit of it works. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I've, I think I've been to outdoor screenings, I think with both of you in summers and I will turn up with a giant bag of rugs and cushions even in the height of summer because after dark in summer it gets cold when you're sitting there watching a movie. The the one outdoor screening that I remember and I was like, never again was when we went to go and watch The Meg and it was a beautiful day. They had like it was a burgers beautiful day. It had been sausages. a beautiful... It was yeah. perfect. Literally the moment the film starts the heavens open and it just <laughs> I was like never again I missed a ton of the dialogue I couldn't really fully invest in the film because I was just cold and wet and it was the worst so never again do you know what 
I had, so we, that was at the end of the heat wave a few years ago. Yeah. Where we'd had like three months of perfect weather. Okay. And then it broke the night of the Meg screening, which was at the Brockwell Lido, right, by yeah. the way. A great, great place for an outdoor screening. You can absolutely see the thinking. It was a wonderful plan, just foiled by the weather. Even there, even after a three month heat wave, I had turned up with plastic backed rugs, ponchos, <laughs> cushions. I was prepared. I had a lovely time at that screening. <laughs> Be prepared, people. Bring your plastic-backed rugs. Bring your warm clothes. Mm. Outdoor screenings are not for the faint of heart. But yes, that is one thing that this film absolutely gets wrong. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. But it gets a lot of other stuff right. And as you say, I'm not sure my expectations were quite where yours were, purely because <laughs> I hadn't seen the trailer. But, um, you know, I was expecting an okay-ish time in the... Netflix film, but Justin Hartley, who's an actor I like. And I feel like it matched my expectations uh, in a satisfying way. So, yeah. Good stuff. Has anyone seen Barrett Dawson anything before? I know she's I from Station not. 19, but I'm not really familiar with her because I haven't watched that one. No, I hadn't. And I, I hope to see her in more stuff after mm. this because I she was, she was phenomenal. She was good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's a tricky role as well. It's not just a sort of, you know, lost waif kind of looking for help. You know, she, she's looking, yeah, literally looking for help, but she's not like in need. She's not desperate or suffering or anything like that she just she just wants to know about her past and and i thought she she played that really well she's no damsel in distress no exactly i think one of my favorite bits is actually when she calls ava back (laughs) that was absolutely hilarious and his face is just like i'm so in love with you right now how did you just do that (laughs) one other thing that i did like that they did with rachel her fiance is not a bad person they could have easily made it that way. It's just they're not compatible. Mm. And that, that is very clear to us from the get-go. Um, and even, you know, the, the, the camera sort of zooms in on Justin Hartley's facial reactions for a couple of their conversations. So I think even he could tell, okay, you know, she doesn't love this. And I think, I think honestly, you need that because otherwise... What are you doing messing around with a woman who's engaged like that? Come on now. Um, yeah. So, so, so yeah, they, that, that could have been awkward and they made that work, I think, fairly well. I think, I think he could have been a little bit more fun. Yeah. Without ruining the thing. Like he was very focused on his accounts. No, I'm saying. <laughs> like it made sense to have the kind of argument that she would go with him because she wanted stability and she wanted something that was a safe bet because of everything that's happened to her in her life. Like there's logic there. But yeah, they did make him a little bit the a little bit nerdy. I mean, like, you you want kind of, I feel like, isn't it, Bill Pullman in Sleepless in Seattle is the ideal level of other man. Like he's, he's, he's pretty good looking. He's very nice. He's, he's just not quite right for her. Mm. And I think that's, that's the kind of ideal for that character. And I think that they maybe erred a little bit on the side of accountancy Mm. in this one. It, It was, it was the FaceTime call that really <laughs> saved that for me. Because it, 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 everything that you're saying, I was totally with you before she had that FaceTime call. It's like, oh, this guy, actually, you know, she's, there's, there's love there. And he's, he's, he's a nice enough dude. It's just like, you know, tax accountant, maybe not so much. But, but yeah, I hope he finds love with another woman because he's about to have a very hard conversation <laughs> with Rachel at yeah, this movie. My goodness. Sad um, I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm sure he'll be yeah. fine. He has a stable job. He's a sensible guy. Yeah. You know, who wouldn't want that? You know? He hadn't put um, a deposit down yet. It's fine. 
It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. All right. Um, right. Just to wrap this up, you know, do, do you see this potentially going on your kind of Christmas movies rotation? Um, is it something that you might return to one day or are you just happy to have seen it and happy to move on? Yeah, I'm on I'm on the latter side of that. Uh, happy to have seen it, have to move on. Probably not uh, going to be a regular Christmas film in the woman household. I think the bar is just too high. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the quality of Christmas films that are out there, it's just, yeah... It's not at the bottom, but it is not at the top, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. And uh, Amon, you've been on here before, so I've asked you already about your sort of go-to Christmas movies. Amanda, how about your Christmas and Hanukkah movies? What What do you go to each year? Well, sadly, there aren't really Hanukkah movies. It's a it's a oh. it's a niche that we need more in. Um, I'm still hopeful. There's that one Adam Sandler one. <laughs> well, yeah, there's usually one Adam Sandler that covers anything. <laughs> um, but no, we have. Uh, the same films every year, the Holy Trinity, as I like to call them. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry if that's offensive. I hope not. It's a Wonderful Life, Scrooge, yes. and Elf. Yes. Boom. I mean, you don't need more. It yeah. covers all bases, all moods. Works for me every year. Elf is a very good movie that I've seen many times and was not introduced to fairly recently. <laughs> By us. <laughs> You'd be lost without yep. us, dude. That's it. That's it. Yeah. You were, you were definitely in that cinema chorusing along with all the familiar lines like we were. Good times. As long as you go back to it, that's what matters. Okay. So. And um, what are your Christmas traditions? What will you be doing this year that maybe not every household does? Ooh, Lighting the Hanukkah household. candles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I'm guessing a lot of people probably won't be doing. Apparently, according to the most recent census, we're only 0.5% of the population of England and Wales. So 0.5% of us will be lighting Hanukkah candles. Um, but yeah, we always when make... Is Hanukkah this year? Well, it's very ignorance. exciting because I, I am half and half. Although I'm Jewish, I have a Christian dad, so I'm multi-faith. So this year we are having a proper Christmaker because it actually oh. coincides with Christmas. And the last day of Hanukkah is Boxing Day. So Fantastic. it's quite a rare treat that they actually tie up, which would be really nice. Mm. Um, but yeah, we'll be making mince pies with my mum. Have to do that every year. And then getting the most tacky, ridiculous Christmas clothing that we have out on Christmas Day. Because when else is that going to come out? Yeah. I have. A... I, I wish you could see Amanda's jumper right now. She is very <laughs> fantastic. Matzo baller jumper, which is just amazing. Inspired awesome. apparently by the Seth Rogen film from a few years back. My yes, sister decided yeah. that we all needed Hanukkah jumpers. So she got one for me, one for her, one for my mum. <laughs> but yeah, mince pies and we have to watch The Snowman is the other thing. That 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 is a fine tradition. <laughs> Got to be done. Mon, how about you? I think you talked to us uh, last time about a little bit about what you do for Christmas, but what else? Anything new? Anything changed? Nothing new per se. On on the face of it, you know, we, we do Christmas uh, in a similar way to other families. But we Mormons, we're unique, okay? There's a, a normal Christmas and then there's a Mormon Christmas. You know, the food just tastes a little bit better. The company just feels a little bit cooler. The movies, when they're projected, just feel a little bit more entertaining when you're in the Mormon household. So... That's These are the things that separate us apart. You know, <laughs> and the modesty the is just a bit more modest, you know? Yes, that too. It's a little bit more on point. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Everybody will be just crowding into the Warman house then this year, trying to get a piece of that action. So just prepare yourself for some visitors. In the meantime, that was The Noel Diary. And thank you so much for joining us again on Bar Humbug. And thank you to my guests, Amon Warman. And Amanda Keats, it's been a pleasure. Happy Christmas and indeed happy Hanukkah. Amen to that. Feliz Navidad. (laughs) 
Well, that's it for this episode of Bar Humbug. Please join us next time for more Christmas movies madness. In the meantime, I've been your host, Helen O'Hara. This podcast is edited by Ben Williams and produced by Kobe Omanaka for Stripped Media. And if you've enjoyed the pod, please do rate us with five shiny Christmas stars wherever you listen to your podcasts. But whatever you do, happy holidays! just heard a stripped media production. 